Welcome back to my interview with uh, David Weirmeyer, better known as Worm. Uh, before we get back to your Worm, uh, a note from my sponsor. Uh, it's Army Guy Graphics, all one uh, word, on uh, Facebook, telling you your war stories through art. Think it and Steve can do it. Decals, license plates, t-shirts, you name it, Steve will get it done for you. All right. So uh, welcome back to Rockets Boxes, Dave. And listeners, again, we're yeah. we're talking to Dave uh, Weirmeyer about addiction, uh, something he's uh, well versed in, having been an addict for how many years? Uh, uh, Worm, um, I've probably been an addict for twenty twenty five years. How, how long uh, before you got help? Were you an addict? Uh, I got help around. Um, I started getting help around two thousand sixteen. Okay, so let's let's we're trying to establish your timeline here again. So right. you moved down to the Lower East Side. You were mm-hmm. working. You were working for the Canucks at the time, and you were yeah. getting disability. Yeah, I started getting disability in two thousand and one. So the disability was a bit of a scam, I guess. Or uh, no, I was legitimately. I had. I was uh, hearing voices and stuff like that, and you know, uh, seeing things, and I was, you know, pretty sick. I was pretty depressed there, and. Uh, from my mother dying, and um, yeah, I needed a good doctor. And you didn't really get one. Well, it's kind of six of one and half a dozen of the other, right? Yeah. Like he he did bad things, but he taught me a lesson, right? Okay. And uh, that's a lesson I'll never forget. And what was the lesson you think he taught you? Um, how to make myself sick. So sick that, you know, it was almost over, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, I remember... Li- you remember what, sorry? I remember lying in bed, being so junk sick for like three months. And just that... Junk being heroin? And morphine and clonazepam and oxycontin and morphine and yeah, all of it. So, so junk you know? just refers to drugs, not a specific drug. Um, all of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. All right. Um, so you, you moved into this ex brothel. Uh, right. I was living down in, uh, on, by the Nanaimo station at this time. Nanaimo station. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just in BC housing. Okay. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're living around, uh, Vancouver. I guess. Uh, no, it was, uh, a pretty small building. It was pretty bad. It was, it was a tough place to live. In what way? Um, you see, I don't know if you remember 2016 and I, I, I don't want to create any problems or anything like that, but what happened in 2016 was Justin Trudeau passed hate crime legislation. Remember that? Passed what's right? Hate crime legislation. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I was living across the hall from a gentleman who was making the change from man to woman or woman to man, woman to man. And he was bullying me. He he bullied me for seven years. Right. And, um, four, four days after they passed hate crime legislation, I was in jail. Because of a, uh, Accusation she made? Yeah, because made because of things he was saying about me, right? Like, right. my file must be two inches thick, right? So, so, um, so you're sitting in, what, holding cells? 
I was, yeah, I was in waiting for court in the morning, and um, they let me they let me out after the uh, the first night. Um, they realized I was being bullied. They went in, in my apartment. They saw my art. What happened is I stood up myself for myself, and I swung a pipe at a cop, and I got charged for um, assaulting a cop. Okay, so you didn't go to jail because of the... Oh, no, it was not a hate crime. It wasn't a hate crime or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. I didn't do nothing to the guy. Uh, I just you, stood up for myself, a, and they drugged me away. But you... why? How did you stand up by, for yourself by swinging at the cop? Um, I was pretty mouthy. I was shouting all kinds of things at the cops and the whole world. And it was a crisis. It had been building up for seven years, right? Okay. So. You had a pipe and you swung at a cop. Yeah. That might not have been one of your wiser decisions. Well, Were, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of much, right? You know, it doesn't matter if you're a cop or not. I'm not afraid of much. But the funny thing is, the cops helped me. In what way? I got hooked up with the ACT team, and, um, yeah, they started coming and seeing me on their time off. They took me out for coffee. They helped me move my stuff. They bought paintings off me. They gave me $1,500. The cops did? And Yeah, and they even came to see me on their time off, and they didn't have to do that. No, they didn't. Right? I've had cops walk up to me in the city of Vancouver, show me pictures on their cell phones. They have my paintings hanging in their living rooms. Just random cops. That's excellent. I know, right? So they so, didn't have to do that, right? So do you have a good opinion of the uh, uh, police forces? I have um, I have my own share of resentments, but they're easier to deal with now, and um, I have friends on the force in Vancouver. So you, you spent this night in jail now. Uh, you yeah. find a different place to live. What drugs are you yeah, I was Yeah, I was homeless. I, I was homeless again. Okay. So I was, all, still I was on the streets. You're still using drugs, correct? I'm still using drugs, yeah. I'm still smoking pot and snorting morphine and stuff like that. And, and yeah. is most of this drugs, are you are you getting money through theft? Like, how are you, how are you getting no, money? No, I, 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 I pretty much, that was the first time I'd ever been charged with anything. I was a pretty straight-laced guy. Yeah. Um, never had a parking ticket, nothing like that. Just um, one day I got charged with a crime, and I couldn't believe it. My... I was just devastated. And that crime was assault on a police officer? For swinging a pipe at a cop, yeah. Okay. And, um, and I was just devastated. I got a conditional discharge, so I don't have a criminal record or anything like right. that. But it was just the, the thought of being charged with a crime when I had done so well at living my life without being charged with anything, right? Okay. Um, so you're you're living your life, as you say. Um, mm-hmm. how, how much... How much drugs and what type are you using per day? I could snort a whole prescription of morphine in five days and be junk sick for two, get a whole new weekly prescription, snort that for five days. And how um, much do a prescription? I would get 40 pills. Every, and I was doing weeks. No, every week. 40 pills every week. And I was getting heroin and... Oxycontin and Cirax and and you're getting, you're getting this all legitimately, yeah, from this doctor, harm reduction doctor, yeah. Jesus, okay. Uh, I, I'm going to leave his name out, of course, right? But yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm just 
blown away. <laughs> I know, right? So, because you're, are you still uh, getting drugs for your art? You're homeless. No, by this time I had stopped doing that. Okay, and you're well, you're homeless anyway, so. I, I'm homeless. I'm on the streets of, you know what really bothered me about the worst about being homeless? Was yeah. I didn't have a place to sit down. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't even have a place to sit down. I was just walking the streets. How, how are you eating? Are you begging for food? You looking for spare change? That kind of thing? Well, shelters, shelters. If you stay in a shelter, they'll they'll oh, give you meal tickets. Yeah. But I'm sure there's plenty of times where the shelter is full up and you're shit out of I stayed time. in the shelter for three and a half months. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And um, that was Catholic Charities. Okay. So, um, yeah. So the Catholic Church is running uh, some of these homes. Are you? Yeah. Have you graduated onto uh, needles or anything like this? I have never done needles. Amazingly, I've just stayed away from it. I just snorted it, and yeah. But the why, thing why is, when I snorted, why do you think you avoided needles? Because I know what I can do to myself. I I know how to use needles, and it's too scary to do it on yourself. Yeah, but I mean, the thing about me, the thing about me snorting heroin is I'll snort morphine and I'll drink at the same time. And the combination of it, you start slurring your speech, you start going on a nod. It's it's just as bad as those three combination of drugs is just as bad as putting it in a vein. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you've overdosed. I take it from our earlier conversation. Oh, I, I that was the whole thing. I would just do that. I would just totally. Take too much. I'm a pig. And and were you? Did Narcan bring you back? Did, did cops or? Um, I have not gotten to that point where I've been Narcaned. I would just sleep it off. Um, yeah. So, because Neil Young wrote a wrote an excellent song about heroin addiction, uh, heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the one the needle and the damage done. I'm sure. Yeah, I know the needle and the damage done, Neil Young. There's a there's an excellent uh, line that he uses. He said, every junkie's like the setting sun. Right. What? How do you interpret that? Um, life doesn't last long when, you, when you're when you doing heroin. No, and, um, hey? That's a fact. Yeah, your life doesn't last long. Either you clean up or you die, right? So, junkies come and they go kind of thing. Yeah, it's like I said, no junk, no soul, right? So, why? What, what do you mean by no junk, no soul? Well, the people on the downtown east side, I had a buddy who used to call them lost souls, right? Right. They're they've got so much pain and so much angst, and is so much such a sense of depravity that these poor human beings are wandering around lost. And they've got a story to tell. And I, although this has been, you know, like a long, a long story about my drug career, it is quite a, a story about inspiration, right? And we'll get to that, right? Yeah. But you, you've been in Vancouver now for how long? Probably about twenty years. Okay, and you, you live relatively close there now. Um, yeah, I mean, I was for down, but about a hundred kilometers away. Yeah. What got you to your your need to to stop doing drugs? What what said what said to you? Fuck! I got to get help. 
Well, it's like I said, this, this, these doctors that feed you these drugs yeah. will make you so sick that you go so sick and tired of doing it that you'll, you'll either clean up or you'll die. And yeah, that's about to happen. I got so sick and tired of it that I didn't want to do it anymore. I swore to, I swore to God, if I ever touch drugs again, just strike me down. So you said that you that you either quit or you wanted to die. Yeah. Did you ever come to the point of wanting to die? Or I was I was going to withdraw, Steve. I would I would go to the pharmacy on a Monday morning at six o'clock in the morning, get my morphine, start morphine all day, go to bed high, wake up the next morning on Tuesday morning, still high from the night before, start morphine all day, go to bed Tuesday night, wake up Wednesday morning, still high for five days, and then i go through withdrawals for two, and then i do it all over again. And I was so sick that I, my joints hurt, my belly hurt, I was having night sweats, I was freezing at the same time, and I was so sick, I thought I was going to die. I even had a doctor come into my house and sit at my bedside for a half hour, and they don't do that anymore. No. They so, don't. So you almost died, you feel, or...? I was, it was the sickest I'd ever been. I was the worst feeling that I had ever had in my life. I don't wish it on anybody. It was a near-death experience. Yes, it was. And what? Uh, why do you think it was a... Or what happened during this near-death experience that... I don't remember much, but I remember this doctor sitting at my bedside talking to me. Dr. Michael Madsen, he was my GP. He's passed on now, but... I used to think he was such an old curmudgeon because I'd never seen his bedside manner, right? Yeah. But that day I did, and he was such a nice guy, right? Yeah, he was a good guy. All right, so um, that that doesn't really tell me you went. You ended up going to rehab because these guys made you so sick, kind of thing. Um, I was hooked up with the ACT team. And I was on probation. Uh, The ACT team is like a team of nurses, doctors, and social workers and cops that help people with, uh, that they don't want to see go to jail. I was on probation for swinging a pipe at a cop and I didn't, they didn't want me to go to jail. So they started coming to see me every day and taking me out for coffee and so on. Right. Right. Buying paintings off me and stuff like that. Right. So, but um, I said to my probation officer, I'm leaving Vancouver. I need a new start. And she said, you're leaving jurisdiction? And she said, I, I said, yes. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to a recovery house in Abbotsford in a new town to start over. Okay. She said, she said, you can check in with me by phone. I'll let you go. And I left Vancouver and I haven't, I've been back once for court, but I haven't been back since. What, right? was, what was court about? It was a mischief charge. I broke three plates. And I got three of my own plates, and I got charged with mischief. They can charge you with anything nowadays. You know, it's like if I break my pencil, I get charged with mischief, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll skip over that for a minute. I'm trying to to come to grips with you uh, leaving Vancouver here. So you're you're getting drugs in Vancouver. Uh, You're using so many of them, you're getting sick. Um, Yeah. You don't... you don't die, or you you're not, not almost dead, or did you yeah. feel like you were almost dead? And oh, absolutely! I thought I was going to die. I was convinced. 
Okay, and you didn't die. No. Obviously. Um, yeah. At some point, you, you talk to the cop that's following your probation officer. And, yeah. Uh, you say you're moving to Abbots, Abbotsford. Yeah. You're still using it this time, correct? No, I'm cleaning up. This is it. I went to, I went to, before I left, I went to a church on the downtown east side. Yeah. And I was watching the sermon, and I saw this lady up on, st- up on stage saying, Glorious Day. And I said, this is a glorious day. I'm quitting drugs. I want to find Jesus. You, and that you was said, it. I'm quitting drugs and you want to find Jesus. That's what you said to and, yourself. Yeah, that's what I said to myself. And that's what I did. All right. Um, so you, you find Jesus. I uh, did that day. Okay. And I guess my next question is, how do you know you'd found Jesus? How? Um... It's just the vine switch, right? Like I was a drug addict and I was a using drug addict and all of a sudden my mind switched and I went to a faith-based recovery house in Abbotsford that day. I got in the car and somebody from the Union Gospel Mission drove me to Abbotsford and I started over. All right. And how do you attribute this to uh, Jesus? I've been clean ever since. Why is that not your uh, your own willpower? Um, because I could never do it myself before. Well, believe me, I've tried. It's 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 not what what you've done before. It's what you've done now, kind of thing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing I know about you, Steve, is you're always looking for a theological argument. <laughs> no, uh, it's not. It, this is not my purpose on uh, on this program to uh, get into a theological discussion or argument. Um, but when somebody says to me, uh, they say they they want to find Jesus, and then they find Jesus, it strikes yeah. me as unusual to say the least. Uh, especially when I know that uh, so many people have gotten through these sort of things without a uh, Jesus or a similar character. Yeah, I think it's um, it's, I think it's a mindset. Uh, if you believe that you found Jesus, you it's a belief, right? It's like a faith, right? And if you let me put it this to you this way: when you're driving down the road and you're coming up to a stoplight and you press on the brakes, how do you know that vehicle is going to stop? I do. You, do you know how brakes work, or do you have faith that the vehicle is going to stop? I don't have a religious faith. I have a, right. a understanding through previous um, uh, drives and braking experiences that right. uh, that I am going to brake. I under I understand how the mechanics of it works. And, right. Uh, when I come up to a, a, a stop sign and my brakes fail, it's usually yeah. because I've ignored warning signs like grinding sounds or right. Um, but see, like, I don't know how brakes work. Right. And that's because I have faith that the vehicle's going to stop, right? Yes, but I you don't have know faith. how it's going to, but it just does. You have faith because you've done it so many times before. You don't have right. you, you don't need to necessarily understand <laughs> how a car works, a, combi- a combustion engine works, for instance. Um, <laughs> you just have to know that it's there and that it works every right. time you come into it. And when you don't, you don't go to Jesus; you go to a mechanic. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate it when you make sense, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Like you said, it's not my job. I mean, if you think if you think somebody named Jesus got you through a, uh, a drug addiction, well, you know, I'm not going to poo poo that, but I will in this instance answer your question. You're starting to sound like my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so how do you continue to stay clean? Um. Well, I read this book. Um, and this book has had a lot to do with my recovery. And it's called what? It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Okay. And Mr. Frankl was a doctor in the concentration camps. And let's face it, who knows more about suffering than Jews, right? Yeah. So this book, if, let, me, let me go down a rabbit trail for a bit here. Sure. This book um, is one of the top ten most influential books written in, in the States. And um, it talks about some pretty harsh things in the concentration camps, like sex or lack thereof, or forced sex. How they, what they're going to eat, and there were some pretty gruesome things that they ate. Right? I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to slam anybody, and it's not a slam anything. It's what you would do in that situation, right? So um, it talks about not losing hope. And this guy, Victor Frankl, tells me about this guy who had a dream that on May 15, 1945, the camp would be liberated. And when that day came and went, two weeks later he died because he had lost hope. Mm-hmm. There's another guy that comes oh, in, his wife. Mm-hmm. How do you know he had lost hope rather than simply wasted away from the... Well, uh, see, that's the thing. Those, in, in the concentration camps, the people that died were the people that lost hope. If you still had hope, you made it through, right? Uh, well, I mean, there there is a... There is a some thought to if you give up, you're going to die, kind of thing. Right, but, right. But you can't you can't make that direct correlation to these people dying to them losing hope. I mean, I did. Victor Frankl did. Yeah. Well, you're agreeing with, or you're you're more or less agreeing with his uh, his thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. so by 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 that point, you you think that they lost hope, and that's why they died. I would suggest right. that maybe they were so badly malnourished and beaten frequently and living under extreme harsh conditions and typhoid. I'm sure. I'm sure it had a lot to do with it. Right. Yeah. So uh, to to say it to say it's because they lost lost hope doesn't really ring true for me. It did to him. Right. And to uh, you. Apparently. I'm just restating his words. Okay. So there's a, there's another guy that comes in, and he just lost his wife, and his he's wife? just devas- he's devastated. His wife died in a concentration camp, and he loved her so much, and he's just devastated. Right. And Frankel turns around and says to him, do you realize that by outliving your wife, you had spared her the pain of living without you? What a noble thing to do. Yeah. And Frankel said that after he said that to that guy, that guy just lit up and lived the rest of his days and survived the camp. Right? Right. Um, the thing about Frankel is he tells you in the end of the book, what keeps me sober is this. The secret of life is helping other people find meaning in their lives. That's the meaning of life. And by sharing my story, I help others find meaning in their lives. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess what, what would you want to tell? Jeez, uh, I don't want to Are say that. Are we covering it? And yeah. especially the soldiers coming out of the army, because I would just tell, because it's, it's so common for soldiers to get mixed up in drugs nowadays. I would tell them not to lose hope. 
You know what I mean? Just have something that you can grab onto and believe in and not lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish. Right? Yeah. Um, use that focus that the military, military tries, tries to train and drill into you to, uh, right. to fix your, to fix your problem, your, your addiction. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it hasn't been all easy. Like I, I have done a lot of damage to myself. I had pretty much from all the ketamine that I've snorted. Yeah. I have, a, I have no bladder left. Right. I have to cap every day. Jesus. Right. Um, I've had surgery on my prostate to try and increase the size of my bladder mm-hmm. to buy me some time before I had to cast. I've had, um, what about your nasal septum? That, sorry. How about your nasal septums from snorting heroin and cocaine and everything else? Oh like yeah. There? Is it also damaged or? Uh, no, it's fine. I, my nose is fine. Um, it's just my bladder. A ketamine is, um, you get that stuff in your urine. And it eats away your bladder, right? Okay. Yeah, so, um, plus I was doing morphine and volume, and that causes urinary retention. Yeah. And um, that just cumulatively has caused me bladder problems. I also have asthma from, from the respiratory depression and smoking at the same time and smoking butts and stuff like that. Yeah. And here's another thing. I quit smoking, eh? And um, I've had one smoke in nine years or something like that. Yeah. But when you're smoking butts and smoking roaches and cleaning out your pipe and smoking that, yeah. you get poor, you get poor circulation. You end up with something called shin splint, right? Called what, sorry? Shin splints. Right. Because you've got poor circulation, right? Yeah from smoking butts and, and roaches. And so the pain from shin splints can be incapacitating and not many medical professionals know about that. But if you quit smoking, your pain will go away. It'll take a couple years. I'm not in pain anymore. And I, my doctor said to me, Dave, you'll know when you're ready to quit. And six months later I was, I quit. I was ready to quit smoking and drugs, and everything. Well, good on you. Um, yeah. What, what, do you, what do you miss most about drugs? The thing that pisses me off is that Trudeau legalized pot after I quit. <laughs> I was so burned by that, because okay. I really wanted to experience that's, legal pot. Right? Let's, let's back it off, back it off. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there were bigger regrets of missing things than Trudeau legalizing pot. Um, I... I don't miss it. I, I, I'm so turned off by drugs that I don't get repulsed when other people do them, but I hope you would quit with me, right? Because yeah. I'm so turned off by it. I know what it feels like to almost die. And it was such the scariest moment of my life. It was, I was so sick, Steve. I swore my doctor made me so sick and tired of it that I'd never touch it again. Well, maybe some good came of it. It's definitely an unorthodox approach, but... Uh, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. Sure, it it's illegal, and sure, it's hard on guy, but I quit. And advice to the uh, people who are considering maybe trying a little Colombian uh, marching dust? Um, yeah. Or a junk period. 
it's just uh is there is there such a thing as only using it casually no not heroin no not heroin what, describe to me your first heroin uh, experience heroin is such a feeling of euphoria that you'll never experience of anything else like it but it's no good can come of it um, what about that second time? Is it just searching for that first time? The second time is searching for the third time, or the, the second time is searching for the first time. The third time is searching for the second time. The fourth time is searching for the third time. And you're just repeating the cycle, trying to find something that you had previously, and it never comes back. Hmm. And that junk, that feeling of being junk sick, that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's just a terrible feeling. I've sat in a room when people uh, injected cocaine. And, yeah. Uh, watching them. Oh, no, it's heroin, sorry. Watching them um, do that fucking head nod thing and sort of just yeah. slumping backwards. Going on the nod. Yeah, and and uh, just leaving the needle where it fell just yeah. freaked me the hell out. Like, it was fascinating to watch. Um, yeah. But I... I I could never do it. What's even more fascinating is bringing someone back with another lock zone. Yeah, yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, I've had that same experience as well. Yeah. Pardon me, I'm just taking a drink of water here. Yeah, have at her. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Drink away, I'm having a whiskey. (laughs) An appropriate drink when I'm talking to an addict. Um, Go ahead. You you said you uh, still drink uh, alcohol? Yeah, I'll drink drink, uh, beer. And, um, no, I'll drink a case of beer. Over how long a period of time? Over two, three hours or four hours. A case of beer beer being BC12 or Ontario? I'm hardcore. I'm I'm hardcore. A 2-4? But, uh, no, uh, 12. 12. In a three-hour period? In a four-hour period at least. (laughs) But, um... But I have no inclination of ever using drugs again. I'm so sworn off of it um, that it's it's not, it's not going to happen. I'm I'm not making a judgment call here, but as a former yeah. medical professional, um, yeah, don't you consider twelve beer in a four hour period? Um, I I told you I told you at the beginning of this interview that I'm an alcoholic. Right. Right. Oh, okay. And yeah, like. And the thing about harm reduction is it's totally watered down recovery, right? It used to be that you had to be totally abstinent. But now if you, nowadays people in recovery are smoking dope and drinking, whatever it takes to get them off of hard drugs, right? And that's what harm, harm reduction has done to recovery. Same it's same. not the same thing back in Bill W's day when you could take somebody home and let them sleep on your couch. You can't do that anymore because they'll rob you blind, right? So... So, so do you do you con, are you considering uh, dropping alcohol? Or are you no, no. Why? Why not? Um, it doesn't bother me like the drugs do. I am a happy drunk. I uh, I am more than content just to sit there and watch TV and listen to music and have a beer. Okay. I don't go out and party anymore. I drink at home. I don't drive. You know. What like, about your girlfriend? Um, she gets a little upset about it sometimes. Um, she doesn't like to see it because she knows my story, right? Okay. And there's things I've left out, like 
that I don't want to tell you about because on the grounds that might incriminate me. Like, you know what I mean? Well, but, I was thinking of, you know, you raising money through uh, uh, various illegal acts. Um, I was more along the lines of producing it. What do you mean producing you it? Don't, I don't want to get into it and just think about what that means, the word to produce something. Okay. Right. You know, and yeah. So um, I've done illegal things, but I'm a pretty straight-laced guy. I have a lot of discipline from the Army, as you know, right? And, well, I hope Joey Jerome uh, hears this. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Jerome. <laughs> he was on um, all his parades. Oh, weren't they something else? They were indeed. He was yeah, quite, I, quite, quite the character himself. But back, yeah. back, back to you for a moment. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you've kicked uh, drugs other than alcohol. Um, yeah. Stop smoking. Um, yeah. Are you doing anything else to try to stay healthy? I draw and I paint, and um, I'm trying to tutor. I'm trying to get into tutoring art. Yeah. Because I have a lot of knowledge to give away, right? So, um, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And I spend time with my girlfriend, and I have a Proverbs 31 girlfriend. I, so, um, I don't know if you know. What, sorry? A Proverbs 31 girlfriend. Proverbs 31. <laughs> yeah. Do tell me if what you, Proverbs 31 is. If you obey... All of the 30 Proverbs, you'll end up with a Proverbs 31 woman. And that's what I have now. She's just the perfect little woman. <laughs> right? Every, she's, a, she's like a dream girl. Right? I can't believe it. I'm just totally stunned. Right? And, you know, like, she's not, she, she has her problems her too, but um, we're a great couple. Like, uh, she just lost 30 pounds. And I'm just stunned by how she looks right now. It's yeah. amazing. She's just totally attractive, right? And what about yourself? Are you uh, doing any weight loss exercise or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm up to 270 pounds, eh? Yeah. I'm a big boy. But you're like I'm five foot, what, five? I'm five six. Five six. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you know about this, but I manhandled somebody once, eh? Um, I, I'm like a football player, and I tackled somebody once. He went to stab somebody. And the cops were there. It was all on video, and they watched the video, and they called me a hero. They called me Hulk Hogan, and then they walked away, mm. you know, instead of charging me, right? So I did what I had to do stuff from somebody to stop somebody from getting stabbed. You never right? got stabbed or beat, beaten up? He, the person that they went to stab would have gotten stabbed. Yeah, because you yeah. carried a blade with you. No, I don't carry a blade, but he did. Okay. I just, I just took the blade away from him, and I tackled him. Okay, but did you carry a blade? Like, did you take some beatings while you were on the street? Um, no, I've never taken a beating. Um, but I have put my hands on somebody. I didn't hurt him, I just embarrassed him. Okay. Yeah, I taunted him, I embarrassed him, but I didn't hurt him. Do you, do you have any children? Hey, so yeah, I have one child. How, one how child. Is he or she? He's 25. He's He's got some issues with me too, right? Like, it's not perfect. Um, he doesn't understand how my father raised me. Like, my father would beat us, right? Like, and I've never sworn to my son. I've never hit him. Pardon me. But um, he doesn't understand that I'm on one side of the country and he's on the other, right? Yeah. 
So it's a big country, right? And I've got no money. Yeah. Right? The most money I've ever seen in my life was $5,500. And that's after I got out of the army. So I don't have a lot of money, right? So. No, because uh, your best earning years were spent uh, snorting ketamine and heroin and whatever else I guess you get on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but I had a good time doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'll give you the last word and then I'll sign off. Steve, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for appearing on Rock is Bacchus. Um, I'm sure this is going to be an interesting one for a lot of people. Well, good luck to you. Um, thanks, Steve. Hopefully the art keeps working out well for you. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later, man. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. And... Thank you, folks, for uh, sticking around for that episode of Rock is Bacchus. If you liked it, tell others. Uh, if you want to contact me for any reason at all, hate mail, suggestions for what to, to cover or what, how to improve the show, I'm available at stevecopang at gmail.com. That's Steve, Sierra, Tango, Echo, Echo, Victor, Echo, Charlie, Kilo, Oscar, Papa, Papa, Alpha, November, Golf, at gmail. Be kind to each other out there, people. Don't be a dick. It's not helping anybody out. Cheers.